COVID-19, masks, quarantine, and now protests against racial injustice and police brutality. Look, if you're feeling overwhelmed or depressed or angry or confused, you're not alone. Why are we feeling this way? And what can we do about it? Hey friends, I'm Mark Allen Shelsky, and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about spiritual growth following the way of Jesus. This is episode 33. Why are we all feeling so crazy? And what can we do about it? This moment that we're living in, it's a lot. And many of us are feeling emotions that we didn't expect. There are a lot of big feelings going around. Some of us are reactive in ways that we don't understand. Some of us are taking it out on the people that we love. In keeping with our topic today, I want to offer you two resources that might help you. If you're a hands-on learner and self-starter, then I want to offer you my Untangle workbook. This is a guided journal that will teach you a simple process for sitting with your emotions and learning from them. The first 30 pages teach the basics of how emotions work in our brains and our bodies. And the rest of the workbook is a template that will walk you through noticing, identifying, and understanding your emotional responses. So if you're feeling swamped or overwhelmed by all that's going on, this tool can help. Learn more about it at the link on the screen or in the show notes, markallenchelsky.com forward slash untangled workbook. Now, if you're a visual or auditory learner, then I've got a different resource for you. Last year, I collaborated with a good friend, Byron Kaler, a trauma therapist. In a few minutes, you're going to get to hear from Byron for yourself. Well, he and I created the Untangled Heart Workshop. It's a one-day training focused on helping people understand and navigate their emotions. Now the course is online. You can do it at home while you're quarantined. It's five hours of video. It has guided journal questions, a 23-page downloadable notes packet. You can do the whole thing at your own pace, and it will help you sort out why you are feeling all the things that you're feeling in this strange time. Learn more about that at the link on the screen or in the show notes, www.untangledheartcourse.com. But now, let's get to what's important, today's conversation. Now, you already know that this podcast is usually just a talking head, me, for 15 or 20 minutes, sharing a thought, a reflection, a sermon, something to encourage you in your spiritual or emotional growth. But from time to time, what I really want to share with you is other great people, people I've met or that I know who have something really helpful to say, and today is one of those days. So today, I'm excited to introduce you to Byron Kaler. Byron is a close friend of mine. If you read The Wisdom of Your Heart, he's one of the guys I referred to in that book that I believed saved my life when I was in emotional freefall. But that's not why I want you to hear from him today. Byron's a trauma therapist. He's got close to 40 years professional experience under his belt. When he's not helping people work through some of the most significant traumas that you can even imagine, he's training other trauma therapists. He's developed a a therapy modality called Story-Informed Trauma Therapy. Well, not long ago, Byron and I were talking about the trauma impact of COVID-19, this pandemic that we are all experiencing. Now, even as some states are starting to loosen restrictions and everyone's really excited to get back to normal for summer, Byron is sounding a warning that the next wave of the pandemic is actually trauma, and you might already be feeling it. It seems really important that we stop and attend to everything we're feeling right now. And so I wanted you to have the chance to hear from Byron. And what Byron has to share is so important, so helpful, that it's going to take us three episodes to get through it. So let's get started with our first conversation today. 
Byron, thank you so much for being here with me today. I have already told the listeners who you are and a little bit about you and what you do. So we're going to jump right into this conversation. Now, not long ago, uh, we were talking and you told me that the next wave of the pandemic is coming, that some of us are already beginning to experience it, and that this next wave is trauma. Okay, so tell me, what does that mean? What do you think is happening? Well, I think we're experiencing a trauma right now in real time. Um, Our world, as we've known it, is changing before our eyes, and in some ways, those changes, I think, will probably be permanent. We're experiencing, I think probably for one of the first times, a global and a national trauma, um, unprecedented in at least the last hundred years for sure. And just like 9-11 changed the way that we all travel, I think this pandemic and the quarantine are going to change the way that we live for the near future. So the next wave we are facing is one of mental health, I think worldwide, Not only in the next few months uh, is it going to be challenging for people, but I think probably in the next few years as well. So a a lot of people, I think, when you hear the word trauma, they they their minds go to some sort of significant kind of incident that they don't feel like they've had that sort of thing in their life. Right. So they think of military people experiencing post-traumatic stress from combat or they think of someone that has been. Uh, sexually harmed or someone that was in some kind of violent episode and they don't think that their experience of what's going on is like that. I think you're exactly right. We think of trauma as, you know, war and car accidents and, you know, horrible things. But trauma comes in a variety of forms and degrees. You know, a divorce uh, when you're growing up of your parents is a trauma. Uh, A move Uh, from one uh, neighborhood to another and and moving to a different school and having to make new friends. That's that's a trauma of some sort. Trauma is basically um, something that taxes our system. We're losing something. Um, Something's being uh, changed or taken away from us. And you don't have to look very wide right now uh, to see that we're losing lots of things and um, the way things used to be are now different. And that, that kind of shift or transition for people is traumatic. So how then is that showing up for people? People that are trying to live their lives, either they're working from home or they're having to go to a workplace and use all of these precautions and masks and sanitization kinds of precautions. Um, you know, and then, of course, additionally, now, since the since the pandemic began, we've also had the murder of George Floyd, and that has triggered a sequence of protests against uh, police abuse of authority and brutality. And so that's another layer of additional, you know, this is not what we're used to seeing many of us. So how is this showing up in people's actual day to day lives and experiential emotional spaces? Trauma frightens us. So the the descriptions that you've just given, Mark, of the protests and the things that are happening in our world um, are frightening to us. They unsettle us. And I think most importantly, they reactivate our stories. All of us grow up having experiences and environments that shape us. In those experiences and the environments, we learn about ourselves and we learn about other people and we learn about the world. 
the lessons that we learn growing up teach us then how to think and ultimately how to behave. Our stories then become the filter through which we understand and we respond to the world around us. The less we understand about our stories, the more vulnerable we are unconsciously to rehearse our past experiences into present day life. Okay. Hold on a second. When you when you say story, uh, you're not just talking about the biography of our life, right? You're not just talking about certain incidences happened in my life. I grew up in this town. I went to this school. I met this person. You're talking about something more than that, right? Correct. The way we respond to those various things. It is, what, what was that experience like for you? What did it teach you in the midst of that? What were you learning about the safety of the world? What were you learning about how you feel and see yourself? So our story has um, the, the meanings in it of those experiences and how they were interpreted by us and then how they play out. So, so if I could summarize real quick, then our story is what happened to me plus the meaning that I have made of what happened to me. Yes. And then the um, skills that you develop around those lessons okay. to continue to kind of operate in the world. So then what, what's happening for people in this description is that we're here living our lives. End of February, beginning of March, the COVID pandemic comes down on us with all of the strange changes that we're not used to having nine, 10, 11 weeks in stay-at-home orders, uh, quarantining, work from home. Many people lost their jobs because businesses had to close. While that's all happening, we get about three months into that, and then we add on to that the layer of the protests that are happening right now across the country, um, which is another feeling of uncertainty and, and emotionally triggering for lots of people. So all that's happening but yeah. you're suggesting that the way each of us are seeing and experiencing that is tying into our personal story. Present day traumas reactivate past unresolved trauma in people's childhoods, people's lives. So for instance, Mark, after um, Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, I was a first responder. I got a chance to sit with people in that experience after very similarly, they had lost their homes through the flood, they had lost their community uh, through the hurricane, they were devastated. Mm -hmm. We met with people, another therapist and myself, for half hour all throughout the day. There was a line down the hall waiting people to come in, sit down and share for a half hour. And what we experienced, both the other therapist and myself, was that people would come in, sit down, they would say, I lost my house, I lost my school, I don't have my job anymore. And then they would stop themselves and they would say this, but that's not what I wanna talk about. What I wanna talk about is, um, my brother committed suicide when I was 15, I was sexually assaulted when I was 12, my parents got divorced when I was seven. They, they went back to experiences that paralleled what they were experiencing in the here and now. They were tying in past unresolved experience with what they were feeling that felt similar. The, the hurricane wasn't the same kind of event. 
as the sexual abuse or whatever it was they experienced in the past. But, but what was the same was the hurricane was a situation where their life was out of their control. Something was happening that they couldn't control. And the feeling of that, the feeling of not being in control was bringing up these echoes from past experiences where they were not in control. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. So at the risk of sounding a little technical, let's talk for a moment about the psychological explanation of why these older memories would be making their ways to the surface at this time in a person's life. Okay. Remembering past traumatic memories um, during a current trauma is linked to a phenomenon psychologically that we refer to as state-dependent memory or state-dependent learning. And state-dependent memory is a condition in which memory for past events is improved when a person is in the same physiological or psychological state as when the memory was initially formed. So what that means basically is it's easier for us to remember happy memories when we're feeling happy because the states match up. It's more likely for us to remember a sad memory when you're already feeling sad. So if you're scared a lot when you're growing up, and now today you feel scared again because of the virus and the pandemic, those old memories are more likely to be remembered. And even if not remembered consciously, they can influence your mood today unconsciously. That's really important for people to understand. So they may not be saying, oh, I remember such and such growing up, but they may feel really depressed similarly to how they felt depressed when their parents picked themselves up, moved across the United States to a whole nother state in seventh grade, and they had to acclimate to a whole different community. They felt powerless then, just like they may feel powerless now. You're saying the 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 state-dependent memory that's connecting what we're experiencing right now with the pandemic or the riots that that is bringing up similar kinds of experiences from the past. But because we all are different, because our stories are different, we grew up in different ways, people are experiencing this same exact situation in very different ways. And so somebody's triggered in one way and they, they're becoming very fearful. A, compl- a different person is experiencing the exact same event. Both people have been told, stay home, you can't go to the beach, uh, you have to wear a mask. They've both been told the exact same thing, but this other person is reacting with anger and conspiracy theories and the idea that someone out there is out to get them. They're seeing the exact same thing. They're reacting to it in completely different ways. And you're saying that has to do with this story element. Yes. Let me give you two other quick examples of this state dependent memory and how it works. You've heard people say things like, oh, the smell of these cookies reminds me of my grandmother and how she would fix cookies for us when we'd come over and visit her house on Sunday afternoon. So that's a state dependent memory like, oh, these remind me of this. Or any of us who are married can probably relate to an example like this, where you're in an argument with your spouse and all of a sudden you remember other arguments in that moment that you've had about the same kind of thing and doggone it, you know, now this is one of a lot and right. something has to right. be fixed. Well, that's because we're having that same irrita- irritation that's okay. coupling with past irritations and the state 
dependent memory is bringing those back to the surface again. So trauma, the present day trauma that we're experiencing is doing that for all of us. And like you say, because our stories are different, it activates different things. And that makes for the mess that we see around us because people are being activated, different aspects are being activated by different um, stories. Okay, well, let's talk about some of those different themes then. Uh, you, you mentioned powerlessness as one. Let's start with that. First of all, because this is possibly most important then, we are all reliving our own childhoods in some way right now, and oftentimes the worst parts of that. Hmm. And so before we even look at the themes, old roles that we played growing up, maybe taking care of somebody or feeling left out, old roles that we had, old feelings are being resurfaced, uh, old defensive or coping behaviors are being employed. Crisis draws us back into our stories with a ferocity unlike anything else. And so you mentioned, for instance, powerlessness. Powerlessness is a primary characteristic of trauma. That is, we feel like something's being imposed on us. Something's happening that we don't have control over. And so the current circumstance rehearses that central element of either an abusive or a hurtful childhood. Something's happening that I can't control. So later in life, when that loss of control happens again, that stuff floods to the surface. Right. Where it's like, here I am all over again. And then lots of times in life, we try to mitigate that by remaining in control. Right. So I, I'll only go on the trip if I can drive the car, you know, <laughs> or I won't fly on a plane because I don't trust the pilot, you know, and so, or I'll only work for me. I'll be an entrepreneur so that I don't ever have a boss other than myself. So those are all ways that we can try to kind of navigate our lives without limiting our power. So here's a crazy setup then, right? If I have that story and I've structured my life in a way where I have a lot of control and I've been yep. doing that now for 20 years and it's working all right. And then all of a sudden, this, the governor of my state says, I can't open my business and I can't go outside with a mat without a mask on. And I can't even go downtown right now because there's a riot all of a sudden, all this stuff comes down. And I have spent 20 years building my life in such a way that I'm in control of all these details. How does that impact me? Yeah, well, it strips all of that away. The mirage is removed. Here's how it plays out. A gentleman talks to me about how angry he is because the woman governor has taken everything that he has worked so hard to kind of accomplish, shutting right. down his business, all of that. And as we begin to talk about his story, he begins to recognize that his anger towards the female governor just might coincidentally be connected to the fact that when he was growing up, he was molested by a neighbor girl that lived across the street. She also took things away from him. Hmm. The, the, that abuse he experienced as a loss of control, and he leaves that circumstance with no other woman is going to control me again in my future. Hmm. And now the governor is taking away his employment. The difference, Mark, between an enjoyable experience and what feels like torture can be reduced down to choice. 
Hmm. Right. Like, right. Like, like people, the, the first week of the pandemic, uh, of the quarantine, it was like, hey, you know, it's kind of like a staycation. Uh, yeah, I, I might get paid. I get to work from home. All of that, which is very yeah. similar to the experience a child has when um, Uncle George begins to tickle them. And they feel happy. They enjoy being tickled. It's fun until they say no right. enough. And George just keeps tickling them. And now it's moved from, oh, that was kind of fun, to now it's imposed and I don't have any control over it. And then it feels torture. Right. And the only difference, the activity is the same, just like the quarantine. You know, you, you hear people, I'd like to take a week off and just go up into the mountains, you know, and be <laughs> right. by myself right. and how wonderful that would be. And then it's yeah. like, but somebody forces that on you and that right. activates our stories. All right. Yeah. So what, what's another, so powerlessness, that's a big one that a lot of us are wrestling with right now. And that's yep. bringing up feelings. It's bringing up maybe anger or maybe fear or maybe anxiety because your normal routine is broken. But one of the other things about this is that we have no idea what's really going on. We don't know how long the pandemic is going to last. We can't see the virus. So we don't even know if it's in the grocery store when we're there. We think masks help. We don't know for sure if masks help. We don't know how long this is going to last. And then on top of that, now you add in the protests and we don't know how long that's going to last and what's going to happen with our country. So now we're facing, again, another thing that we all hate, which is uncertainty, the unknown. So how is that impacting this? Well, just listen to what you've described. And if you weren't talking about a pandemic or a quarantine, you could have been just describing lots of homes that people grew up in. Is dad going to be drunk when he comes home tonight? Is mom going to oh. be here to fix dinner? Is um, am, are, are we going to get moved again? Is dad going to lose his job and we have to leave and find a different place to live? When we come from unpredictable or chaotic places, which at least many of my clients that I see in, in the therapeutic process, that's a really common experience for them when they were growing right. up. And so just the unknown of this back to state dependent memory is it's like, oh, yep, this takes me now the whole world is my house growing up. Oh, right, right. And there's and there's no escape. Like I can't go to school and have some relief. I mean, I'm stuck here. And um, and right. Yeah, that kid, that kid who grew up in that abusive, uh, chaotic home at least could say, you know, when I get out of high school, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go get an apartment. I'm going to go to college. I'll figure out my own life. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, where, where could you go? Yeah. Like it's everywhere. Yeah. Or that third grader who knows come eight o'clock, I'm going to get on the school bus and my teacher's predictable. The, the school day is predictable. I know what I'm having for lunch. So there's reprieve there. You're mentioning another interesting thing that's been a big deal for me, because not only then are we talking about a circumstance where there's a lot of unknowns, but then one of the ways many of us cope with unknown is we build structure and routine into our lives. That's yep. really important for my mental health. I have al I always depended heavily on routines 
And this whole process has completely destroyed all of my routines. And that has created anxiety in me that I didn't even recognize for a while why I was feeling what I was feeling. So so then that's part of this. Then if we have if we have depended on routines in order to feel okay, that's all changing. Yes. We're missing the normal. Okay. Think think of the structure and routine as a container that the container then holds us, it, it, it regulates or helps us manage those unresolved anxieties, fears, discomforts. And then now what's happened is with the pandemic that that container has been perforated and stuff is leaking out. You don't have to look yeah, real far. Right, right. Stuff is leaking out all over. And sometimes, Mark, that's the form of anxiety for others, it's depression. For others, it's just disorienting. And so then that's bringing up uh, these past experiences, the state-dependent memory that you mentioned, feeling those kinds of things. If I can't control my circumstance, if I can't put in place a ritual or routine that helps me control that, if I can't define my day or my week or my plans in, in such a way that helps me feel, then... Uh, feel okay, then the fruit of that is going to be uh, ratcheting up emotions, uh, anxiety for almost everybody. And then that anxiety may then manifest into fears. It may manifest into anger. It may manifest into larger anxieties about the world. And maybe that's where we get all of this attraction to conspiracies and the idea that uh, there's people behind this blaming trying to try all that stuff is then connected to trying to process this flood of emotion yes and, and for those listening i want to make a distinction because they may be sitting there thinking well i'm not having a lot of flashbacks of previous okay. experiences i'm not having nightmares or, or struggles now some people are like it it presents in that way which is really confusing and uncomfortable for sure but for other people even if they're not having specific memories, they're not mm -hmm. connecting. Well, this fell, feels a lot like seventh grade when I had to move to you know, Oregon. For them, the feelings are still present. Okay. And that can be even a little more disorienting because I don't know what this, where this is coming from. Like you were saying okay. about your own anxiety where it's like, yeah, it took a little while to recognize. Oh, it might be routine related. Yeah. You uh, have, I think, some other themes that you've seen showing up in people that, that you're working with and as you're talking about the, these experiences. What are some of the other themes you're showing up for people? Well, certainly anxiety. Um, you know, the studies now are showing that uh, anxiety across our population in the country are amped up somewhere around 30 to 40 percent in people are reporting wow. higher levels of anxiety and some depression. Here's another theme, though, that probably goes um, unnoticed for lots of folks. Trauma impacts us in a variety of ways. And one of the ways is that it kind of developmentally delays us. The result of that is that we um, stay back in what we call concrete thinking, or sometimes we refer to that as polarized or binary or black and white kind of thinking. When you superimpose that on an experience like this, it sounds like all or nothing. So then it's like, I'm either in control or I'm out of control. I'm either 
you, you know, I'm managing or I'm coming apart. Everything that I worked for is gone. It's no use. I won't wear a mask. I won't take a vaccine. Like those are all extreme statements. Yeah. They're black and white statements. But we, the, the new trauma reactivates that old trauma response. And so it's very easy for people to see the world pretty much this way or this way. Okay. And so then that might even key into how uh, a lot of our conversation about these events is sort of being attached to politics, right? That there's one side that has one view of things. There's another side that has another view of things. These sides are enemies. The other sides are idiots. Like that's part of that kind of thinking. Yes. And I, I don't want to go too far afield here, but um, I can't resist. Um, 9-11... 9-11 was a, another um, American trauma that we experienced. That kicked off a trauma response nationwide that we are still living into 15, 20 years later. And this now is the next layer on top of that. Hmm. And so when you look at political divide, like you're saying, Mark, a lot of that began to develop most overtly after 9-11, frankly, where, you know, we've always had red and blue and we've always, but, but never before kind of that locked in, you know, disrespectful, you, you're an idiot if you have a different position or you see things differently than I do. And so certainly, certainly in our lifetimes, it feels that way. I mean, I think that, that I, I, I remember my younger years that, that politics felt like, you know, we all love America. We just have different ideas about what makes America, what makes for the best America for everyone. And now it sort of feels like that many people in the conversation are like, no, only we love America. And people who disagree with us hate America. And we're not even talking about other countries now. We're talking about people at the grocery store who have a certain hat on or people uh, that have a sign in their yard that says, you know, black lives matter. Like all, all of a sudden we're looking at those people that are different from us. And instead of thinking, Oh, they just have different ideas about how to make America work for everyone. Our response is, well, they actually hate America. They hate what's good about America. And that, that thinking makes it impossible to have a conversation. Right, because we generalize um, our fears, that leads to discrimination and, and and such. You've mentioned that for many of us, this state-dependent memory that's that's being triggered right now isn't being triggered in a conscious way. So we're not saying to ourselves, oh, this reminds me like what happened in seventh grade. We're just feeling emotions that we don't necessarily know why we're feeling them. Maybe we blame someone that's close at hand, like our spouse or the person who cut us off in traffic, but our emotional response is really out of proportion with what's going on, and that's because of the state-dependent memory. And so these themes that are that you're talking about, uh, I think, are really important because we might not make the connection. Like one of the ones I'm interested to hear you talk about that just had never crossed my mind was the idea of performance-based worth. Like if I grew up in a, in a situation where I had to earn my keep, I had to, I had to prove that I was okay through my performance, then what we're going through is going to really challenge that. So talk about that one. It's not unusual for people to grow up in environments where 
those two are coupled, okay, where their value and worth is connected to how they perform. Because when you think about parenting, a lot of children get their kudos from um, good grades, right. um, achievement in sports. You know, th those are the things that um, get noticed and mm -hmm. rewarded. Right. The result of that is that builds into people this sense of I have value based on how well I am performing, serving, etc. The other way that performance um, and value get equated is that when we've been hurt as children and we've been diminished in terms of how we feel about ourselves, then we can look for opportunities in order to build ourselves up and generally that's through performance. Like I'll work really hard, I feel kind of damaged or spoiled or in some way compromised back here because of what happened to me, how I was treated, abused, right. hurt. I'm gonna make that up by really performing well. So regardless of where that comes from, a pandemic like this with the subsequent quarantine plays havoc with that mm. in that it removes the opportunity for lots of folks to um, go to work, perform in the same way that they used to. So for the codependence among us, okay, it, it can really be problematic because it's like, oh, it can feel like life's not worth living. Yeah. And if I, again, if I have spent the last 20 years structuring my life in such a way that this need within me is met. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I've built a business and I'm networking with people in the community and I get a certain income that's coming in so I can have a certain car and all that's been driven by this unconscious need that I, I'll perform and that will show the world that I'm okay. And now all of a sudden these factors out of our control, take all that away. Like you can't, you can't go to work now. You're not going to make your car payment. So now it's not just the loss of the job, which is a difficult loss on its own. It's not just the loss of the car, which is a sad loss on its own. It's also this sort of existential challenge to my sense of identity. Yeah. The job is not a job. The job is a representation of my value. Oh, and, geez. And right. right. And, and so now it's like, you're not you're not taking away my source of income. You're taking away my value as a human being. And when you recognize that that's what's happening, that personalization, that right. identification, um, you can see why it would be so devastating to people. Right. Okay. So, so what you're talking about, Byron, is a, is a really big deal. I mean, we've got these crazy events happening in the world around us. These events are triggering or bringing up echoes of these uh, times in our story when we fell out of control. Uh, we're having emotional responses as a reaction to that. Our emotional responses, whether it's anger or sadness or anxiety or whatever it is, how do we handle all of this? I mean, do we ev does everyone just need to get in therapy right away? Is there <laughs> like how what are ways that we can attend to this? When I say that the next wave of this pandemic is going to be mental health, therapist availability is going to be like ventilators that New York was terrified they wouldn't have enough of. 
after 9-11, which just happened in one location. I mean, that was New York. Nationwide, after 9-11, sleep medication prescriptions grew by 65% in the next three years. Wow. After 9-11. That means that countrywide, people were having trouble shaking what happened in New York, oftentimes from the from Los Angeles, you know, from the whole different coast, and it still yeah. is disrupting sleep. When you think about it like that, and that this is global, it's worldwide, the the need, the impact on us and our mental health is gonna be epic. It, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. So back to your question. So what do you and I do about it? I think first, we, um, if we can, we must recognize and understand the role of our stories and what is happening. If we can make the connection because we're reflective and thoughtful, if we can ask ourselves the questions, where else did I feel like this growing up? How does this connect to my story? Then that helps us understand our own responses and the intensity around them. Understanding that the greater the intensity of our reaction, the higher the likelihood it's connected to our stories. It also allows us to understand that others around us have a story that is impacting their response. Right. So that right. then when I meet somebody in the grocery store, who laughs at me because I'm wearing a mask or who is angry at another person because they're not wearing a mask. If I can understand that both of those come out of a story that has shaped how they interpret this experience. So that encourages us to, I think, be more compassionate with people, which is particularly helpful when we disagree with them. Right, right. Everybody has a story, and that story is playing itself out in dictating their positions. Mm -hmm. Right. We need to be more aware and reflective and thoughtful about that. I think then there are just some really important practical things that are important for us to do. So one would be, and you'll love to hear this one, we reestablish routine and structure. <laughs> yes. Now, it, may, it may not be the old one that we had. Right, right. But we we reestablish some renewed version of a routine and structure because that is just calming to us as human beings. Yeah. We need a container. So I think for us to be aware of the importance and the significance of that, that that's not weakness, but that that's important to do. The first thing to go in a crisis is self-care. We just we just tend to um, begin to react. All of a sudden, we aren't exercising. We aren't sleeping the same hours. We're not eating regular meals because of the loss of the routine. So our self-care ends up getting lost in the crisis. And the result right. of that is it exponentially increases then the mental health impact of the circumstances that we're facing. I, I had a phone call from somebody on the other side of the state just recently, and she was overwhelmed and depressed. And I said, are you doing this, 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 this? And she said, nope, 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 nope. And I said, <clears throat> then do those things and then call me back in two weeks. And she sent me a check and a note and just said, I'm fine, I'm doing them now, I feel a lot better. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So I think that doing those things is helpful. 
Another thing that I think is really beneficial that other people are discovering is um, being in nature. Nature washing, forest washing, that is being out and about in the natural elements around us is life-giving and refreshing. So whether that is taking walks, bicycle rides, being at the beach by yourself, not in a crowd of 400 people, um, (laughs) those things would be probably really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Christina um, and I, this, uh, this week, uh, went out, uh, took a couple hours and went out to a nearby place and kayaked. It was so good for my soul. I came out of that just feeling more grounded, more settled. Uh, yeah. like I had a little more perspective and I didn't even think about all of this stuff. Like I did know like processing, I was just yeah. being there. A couple others, uh, would be, uh, connecting with community so that we don't feel so disconnected, even though we can't be close and touching. Uh, Shelly's family um, is on this uh, house party app. Is that is that the name of it? House party uh, or something? It probably is, uh, old man. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is each evening now we get a um, alert that comes across the phone and it says they're in the house, you know, and then so everybody gets on and so... There's been actually probably more family connection in the last month than previously because now we're all kind of on that app together and sharing our lives and our days and all that. So I think that that can really be helpful. And then finally, um, restrict news consumption. Because of the way that this unfolds and there's new information, it seems like hourly, we can literally keep the news running in the background on our televisions and um, that's not healthy and good for us. And I don't care what station you have on, what channel, news is a product, it's sold, okay? And paid for by commercials. And so boring news doesn't sell. And so the result of that is whatever network is going to kind of emphasize certain things you're at risk, there's a danger. And I'm not minimizing the danger of the pandemic. I'm just saying that to have a constant diet of that running in our background just exaggerates the the natural concern and fears that we would have. So I would say limit that to, you know, an hour a day. Uh, Same thing with social media. There you're getting, you know, Facebook stuff all the time time as people are arguing their positions and opinions. So I would just say we have to limit that or it's right. just going to absolutely be overwhelming to people. Man, those are really helpful uh, uh, ideas, tools that we need to be practicing. Like I think that part of the experience we're all having is there's so much it's overwhelming and the muchness is the media and the events and the loss of routine and having to change the way that we live Four months ago, none of us could could have imagined being in the place that we are right now. So in order to navigate through all of that, we need to be conscious of stewarding our minds and our hearts with the kinds of tools that you're talking about. We're going to continue the conversation uh, just in additional episodes. So there'll be more. We're going to get we're going to narrow in on uh, grief which some of us are clear we're experiencing, but a lot of us don't realize 
that we're experiencing grief. So we're going to talk about that. And then later on, we'll also talk about how this is shaping who we're becoming. So thank you very much for being in this conversation, Byron, and sharing what you're seeing. I think this is really crucial for all of us to pay attention to. Uh, I think when we don't pay attention to this, uh, it gets worse for us and the people who love us, the people around us. So thanks for being in the conversation. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So did that resonate with you? Man, Byron has such insight into what is happening for so many of us right now. Take some time to think about how your story is shaping your response to the pandemic or your response to the protesting and the current conversations about racial injustice. Consider some of the steps that Byron mentioned. We're going to get through this, but we want to come out the other side better, more mature, more able to handle difficult things. And that honestly only happens if we pay attention and put in that effort. If you'd like to learn more about Byron and his work, you can find him online at www.byronkaler.com. I'll include links in the description. May you have the courage to face yourself in the middle of this complicated situation and learn about what's going on inside of you and how your story is influencing the way you see and the way you react. Thanks for listening. You'll find the show notes for today's episode, including any links that I mentioned at www.markallenchelsky.com forward slash TAW033. If you want more material like this, then you need to subscribe to my email list. I email at most twice a month, and that email will include links to a new blog post, possibly a new podcast episode, and links to other things that I have found that I think will be a benefit to you in your spiritual and emotional growth. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't ever miss an episode or the upcoming uh, continuation of our conversation with Byron. You can subscribe on iTunes and every other podcast app out there. You can also find a video version on my YouTube channel and subscribe there. And I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to rate or review this podcast on iTunes or Apple's new podcast app, since that's one of the best ways to help other people discover it and figure out if it's a good match for what they're looking for. Until next time, remember... In this one present moment, even as complicated a moment as this is, you are loved, you are known, and you are not alone.